Welcome, everyone. I'm honored to be your host today. My name is April J. Ford. I'm the author of the bestsellers, You Are Not Alone, and Chase a Challenge and Conquer. I'm also a purpose-driven entrepreneur and philanthropist, but some just call me the alchemist of adversity. The latest publication titled, You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, love, and joy. I've dedicated the proceeds to the nonprofit Joy's Gift since it was just released, and I'm grateful and so proud to say that I became a bestseller in one hour, number one, on its debut day. I'll be hosting a series of shows highlighting some of the experts and topics mentioned in this publication. You'll have access to experts from various fields that have helped me transition from tragedy to triumph from health and wellness, parenting, success in business, love and relationships, spirituality, and more. All the time that I've invested in research, seeking, learning from top mentors, coaches, healers, and teachers, and not to mention the financial investment I've poured into all of this, I'm bringing here to share with you all the priceless knowledge, so make sure to listen up, tune in, and take great notes. And I want to preface the book and see if it's really for you. If you answer yes to any of these questions, I'll just share a little bit from the introduction of You Are Not Alone. Was there ever a time when you felt you were overcompensating for your dreams, your values, your health, or more, only to realize the outcome of these compromises led to stress, weight gain, anxiety, fear, or even depression? Maybe you've put everyone else's needs before your own and discovered this compromise led you to feel alone. Have you been suffering in silence but don't know why? Has life presented you with a challenge that has left you feeling alone as you try to navigate where you're supposed to go? If you said yes to any of this, you are not alone. With all the roles we women play as a wife, a mother, a sister, career climber, entrepreneur, and many more responsibilities with other titles, we run the risk of ignoring or diluting our health and wellness, our spirituality, our parenting, our love and relationships, our happiness, our success, until these elements are disrupted or eventually destroyed. To find out more about my work, you can go to either www.joysofya.com or if you'd like to get involved with helping Joy's Gift, the nonprofit for widows and abused women and youth, go to www.joysgift.org. So getting to today's show, the purpose of Journey to Success is to interview people who are making a difference in the world and help encourage and inspire others to do the same with their lives. Today's focus is on parenting. You know, it's a lifelong career itself. However, there's no manual, there's no job description, there's no pay structure, and there's no clocking in or clocking out. It's a lifelong on-the-job training, being a mom or a dad. And, you know, itself, we all know, has many sub-roles. So my guest today is John Glass. John has worked with children from all ages for over 35 years. He's coordinated youth sports and special events in community parks and recreation, coached middle school basketball and girls softball. John has spent the last 28-plus years at the Sacramento Children's Home as the, their recreation therapist and trainer, 
helping literally thousands of damaged children lift their self-esteem, improve their social skills, and control their anger and frustration through the use of therapeutic play, fun, interactive games, and activities. John also provides many interactive and dynamic trainings for the park and recreation professionals, teachers, caregivers, and parents. He has provided trainings for the, just to name a few, Children's Receiving Home of Sacramento, Crossroads Treatment Facilities, Child Abuse Prevention Council of Sacramento, and has quite a list of credentials, and I'll just mention a couple. The He's an independent facilitator of Love and Logic. It's a curriculum. Member of the California Park and Recreation Society Therapeutic Recreational Section Board Member. Also, I'm, I'm so honored to mention that he's also active participant as a board member for our nonprofit, Joy's Gift. Welcome to Journey to Success, John. Glad to have you with us. How are you today? Doing very well, April. Nice to hear from you as always. Great, great. You know what, John, as I was, as I was reading you know, your resume and of experience, it's obviously a, ref, a reflection of your passion towards serving kids. You know, specifically kids that come from broken homes. Tell us how you found this path in your career. Huh. Well, you know, ever since I was, even in my teens, I knew that I had a desire to work with kids. And I think a lot of it had to do with some of my role models who were my coaches in junior high and high school. And from there, um, I just kind of was thought I'd spend my career working in parks and rec you know, running sports leagues and things like that. However, the opportunity here at the Children's came up. Children's Home came up out of kind of nowhere. And then once I interviewed and got the position and um, started working with these these very um, kids that have these terrible, terrible things that have occurred to them in their lives, it just became like um, this, this is where I'm supposed to be. And everything just kind of fell into place. And here I am today almost 29 years later. Wow. Well, let's back up for a moment. You mentioned, you know, back in junior high and high school, you had role models. Who are these role models? I mean, were they um, sports coaches? Were they your teachers, family members? I mean, did you just look up to them, or was it more of a formal um, one-on-one coaching, and you looked to them as your role model? Um, it was um, – I can name a few of them. Um, Mr. Joe, excuse me, Mr. Joe Horiza. Um, was a strong mentor of mine when I was in junior high and high school and even after high school. Um, He had um, been my basketball coach, and um, I could always tell that he had extreme confidence in me and, um, and, and gave me great responsibility at a young age on our teams to help facilitate um, the different plays that we were going to do and getting other team members involved. And so he actually hired me to coach basketball after I was out of high school and into college. And actually, um, he st- I still see him today. He's my tax man. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, he, I've, I've known him for, for like but... almost, what, 42, 43 years. Um, wow. Another strong role model was my dad. Uh, my dad was always involved with us. Um, in our pursuits, you know, I, my older brother was in the cars, you know, hot rods and stuff like that. And my dad worked with him on that. I was in the sports. My dad was always a coach and a manager. Um, and my younger brother was, 
in the Cub Scouts and stuff like that, and my dad, you know, participated there too. So he was always there for us. He showed us a really, gave us a really strong day, strong foundation of what a dad is. And so I think that a lot of that is um, carried over to me, in, um, you know, as a father myself. And so he's he's been gone for some years now, but he's not forgotten. Wow. Wow, that's phenomenal, that's phenomenal. Now share with us, you know, for those that are listening that don't know what love and logic parenting is, um, and you're an independent facilitator of the curriculum, can you explain a little bit more of what the curriculum is? Sure. Um, Love and logic is a parenting approach that was originated back in the 70s by Jim Fay and Dr. Foster Klein. Um, And basically... What they developed um, was from their experiences, Dr. Klein as a child psychologist and Jim Fay as a a high school teacher, principal, and superintendent, um, was just a really basic approach to um, parenting your children um, by um, by avoiding arguments, um, avoiding power struggles, being consistent in your approach, providing lots and lots of choices for the kids to make decisions at an early age, um, as well as, hmm, how do you want to say this? Um, it it puts the emphasis of solving problems back on our on the children's shoulders. I think sometimes as adults, when a child makes a mistake or something happens. We want to be the ones to fix it, or right. you know, we told them you shouldn't have done that anyway. You should have listened to me to begin with. Things like this. However, when a problem develops for the child, the first step is being empathetic towards the child and letting them know that, you know, something to the effect that oh, this is awful or this is a shame. You know, I'm and that basically what tells the, what that tells the child is that they're with you, that you're on their side. And then a lot of then the next step is the to ask them how do they think they're going to solve it, and a lot of times they may say, "Well, I want you to solve it," but yeah. at that point, you know, we're we're like, or the the approach is, well, you know, I think this is something that you can handle. I think I have confidence that you're going to be able to take care of this situation, and so they might come up with some ideas of how they best can solve that, or if they can't think of any ideas, that's where you as the supportive adult can off, offer them some suggestions that maybe some other kids have tried. And, and I think, go ahead. Um, before, I, before we lose the listeners, on the train of thought here, John, I think it's very important to emphasize the fact that just because you're giving your child um, a, you know, choices or the ability to have and exercise their decision-making, this does not mean that the parent is, you know, quote, quote, unquote, releasing or relinquishing their control over their child. It's about enabling them with the right tools of of decision-making. You know, these are pretty critical and analytical skills that they need when they grow up, um, and, and it's imperative to start them at this young age when they're making these little decisions because when they're grown up making the bigger decisions that have a larger impact, they're not going to be equipped with the tools to make a decision, right? Exactly. And I know, um, you know, parents 
Love and Logic parents never abandon their children, like you said. Um, we're there to provide support, um, feedback, and encouragement, and let them know that, you know, like I said, we have confidence in what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so, I, since I took the course, to refresh my memory, um, what are the three types of parenting styles, like the helicopter or what are, what are the... The helicopter parent is the one that kind of hovers around their child and makes sure that um, the parent is the one who takes care of all their needs so their child, you know, will not have to suffer in any fashion or, you know, you know, have his self-esteem dealt a blow to. It's the parents who, like, do the science project for their child. <laughs> yeah. Or the the parent who runs down to the school and because their child forgot their lunch. Right. The other ones are the the drill sergeant, and the drill sergeant is basically um, do it my way or or the highway type thing. Mm-hmm. And the drill sergeant is one who gives orders, gives commands, and expects the child to fall into line. Um, the third one is the consultant, which is what we all in Love and Logic strive to be. And the consultant is exactly what it's what it what it says. I am I am here to you know to bounce. You can bounce things off me, you know different approaches. How you might solve this, um, you know help the child develop a plan of how they're going to accomplish this goal. And um, like I said, just be there to encourage, but not do it for them. Like you said, they have to learn this. I think at a very young age when the price is low. I'll give you a quick example. There was a parent who whose child was 10 years old, and they wanted this brand-new type of radio. But, of course, the, the child could not afford that. So the parent drew up a contract, and the child had to do you know, so many different types of chores on a consistent basis in order to maintain that, um, that radio. However, he did not follow through, so the parent repossessed it. And, <laughs> and some of the parent's friends were like, oh, give him another chance. You're too hard on him you know, that type of thing. And the mother said, you know what, I'd rather have him learn this now over a $50 radio versus our neighbor's son who's 25 and just had his $20,000 car repossessed. Right. So oh, it's wow. all about learning lessons that make impact um, now that's going to carry over to when they become adults, When, like I said, when the price gets very, very high. Right, right. When those decisions are are critical and imperative to make at the beginning. Now, what when we talk about the helicopter versus drill sergeant versus consultant, what are the maybe pros and cons to each? Because it seems like you know each parent, each child, each scenario is pretty unique. And wouldn't you say we have to maneuver within the three when appropriate? But like you said, strive for being a consultant. Yeah. You know, the only time that um, Love and Logic talks about um, you making the choice, so to speak, is when it affects um, other people or there's a safety issue. Right. You know, one of Love and Logic's sayings is, you can do that as long as it does not create a problem for anybody else. Um, if it does create a problem for somebody else, then, you know, then the parent may take a more... Um, how you want to say it, more... Um, stern position of... Firm position, yeah, more firm position. Um, because it, it's affecting somebody else, which in turn could affect somebody else's um, safety or, you know, rights or what have you. 
Um, you know, helicopter parents and drill sergeant parents are very similar in their results. The results are that the child, you know, accomplishes what they need to accomplish. However, they didn't accomplish it by their own means. It was because the helicopter parent did it for them or the drill sergeant made them do it. And so either way, it's not going to allow that child to gain that very, very, um, that very strong opportunity to learn for themselves. Right. You're basically disempowering your child. You think you're helping your children mm-hmm. by, you know, doing the science project for them or protecting them from making mistakes. But like you said, you're really inhibiting them from the learning opportunity. Yeah, I, I know a mother who basically did, in eighth grade, did her child's homework and all of her projects. Her child got straight A's and was the oh. honor student, you know, of the year at the school. But mom did all the stuff, and when it was announced that she was the honor student, mom was the one jumping around and screaming. The child was just kind of sitting there watching her. So, you know, in those circumstances, that's an extreme one, but, you know, that's just a a big disservice to the child. It is. It is. Now, with, you know, with parents having daily demands of, you know, working parents or parents that have multiple jobs or they're going to school and work, how can they make, parenting fun yet effective, you know, both for themselves and and fun for the child as, you know, as a learning experience. I mean, that's that's what we look to parents are as our, our teachers. How can they make it effective and fun with all the demands of our daily daily lives and responsibilities? You know, that's a good question because we're all, you're right, we're tired when we get home. Um, but I think in... In households that have two parents, um, the approach is a team effort. Both parents on the same page, and um, when one's tired, the other one can take over. They have a plan to work together. Um, if you know, if one parent's getting kind of tired or frustrated, they can hand off to the other parent, or the other parent may recognize that. Um, so. Love and Logic talks about strong teamwork within those homes. Now, the single parent um, is not by themselves. They hopefully can have some some resources, whether it's another family member or um, a neighbor or what have you, to where they actually schedule times where they can, you know, have a break if they need one, or um, they can schedule times where they can do things. Um, kind of play date type things with other families. And the other thing, too, is when you talk about, um, you know, having fun with your kids and spending time with them, you know, talk to your kids about what they think is fun and what they would like to do. And then carve that out and make that make that possible by establishing that date and that time. Um, and then, again, it's another, um, I think you probably do this very well when it comes to um, talking to yourself and um you know reminding yourself that hmm i have this, this you know every day is so precious that i'm going to make sure that i have spent some quality time with my child some parents i know put little sticky notes up you know around their their house sometimes and just say you know remember this is a precious time with my child and that's all it says and that's what it says all over the house and i think sometimes those can be good reminders too because it goes by so fast. My girls are in their 20s. I wish they were three again. So. Oh, yeah, time does fly. I mean, those are all good 
um, tips, John, to share because, you know, with my situation, I just moved from Northern California, as I shared this in my book, to Southern California, and I had to basically create, like you said, a network or a resource of scheduling times either for myself to take a break or to even schedule quality time with my kids. And, you know, just this past Saturday, it was just, I have a boy and a girl, son and daughter, and I scheduled time with my daughter, which is girls' day for the majority of the day, and then this coming Saturday is going to be my son's turn. You know, it's been a while since I've done that with them individually, and it was a good reminder for somebody looking outside in saying, hey, have you done that in a while? I'm like, no, I've just been, you know, busy, you know, busy with building my business, writing the book and the nonprofit you know, speaking engagements, and it was a nice reminder, for you know, from somebody looking outside saying, you might want to just do that. <laughs> so I think we should give other parents the permission to, you know, schedule the time. I know we get we get caught up with work and um, family and taking time out for ourselves, but if, do what you have to do. Post-it notes, like you said, John, putting reminders on your phone or putting it on your calendar to set aside um, some quality time with you know with my kids. daughters they're like I said they're both in their twenties and one of the thing one of the things I did um, on a very consistent basis was to take them out on dates individually um, yeah. not only to you know give them that extra attention and the time we can spend together but also you know also demonstrate what a gentleman is and how a lady should be treated and my girls today still. That's one of their strongest memories about me as a father is that oh, you know, wow. we went okay. on <laughs> dates. And, in fact, my daughters are still – they still want to go on dates with me. I, in fact, I just yeah. had one with my daughter, Marissa, who's 21, a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. We, had a very nice, oh. we had a very nice dinner together. So yeah, those are always very yeah, like last Yeah, last Saturday it was my daughter's day, and we called it, you know, Queen and Princess Day, and then Saturday is going to be my son's King Day. So uh-huh. they get to be the and queen for the entire day. Um, oh, you're the princess, right? Yeah, I'm the princess, and they're they're the king and queen for the day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's switch gears a little bit here, John. With you know, with your experience in hearing other stories from the courses that you facilitate, or even your career path being in the Sacramento Children's Home. What would you say the common denominators for parents that present a challenge when raising kids? What are some of the other challenges? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, the, the, the children I work with, you know, come from backgrounds where the parents' priority was, you know, drugs or alcohol. Um, the relationships that the parents were involved were, you know, very abusive. There may be homelessness. Um so the the parents of the kids that I work with are, were extremely, extremely overwhelmed and um, just didn't have the role models themselves. You know, they talk about child abuse being a cycle, and that's very, very true. Um, so part of what we're trying to do is stop that cycle. Um, but, you know, the, the challenges for, for parents who have children at home, you know, um, you know, our kids, you know, have different ideas, and society has changed in a more social-type, media-type thing, um, which escapes me to some extent. I'm getting better at it, but I'm still way, way behind. And so sometimes it's, it's difficult 
you know, you know how you were raised and what you did as a kid, and sometimes you expect the same out of your child, you know, but they have different challenges nowadays. You know, like I said, with all the social media, um, there's still, you know, the the peer situation out there, the the social aspect, um, the academic aspect, those are all right there. And I think one of the the best things parents can do is just listen. You know, don't tell, don't remind, um, you know, those types of things. Just listen to your child. And sometimes it can be difficult. Like sometimes my children will say, oh, Dad, I'm going to go do this. And in my mind I'm thinking, oh, no, that's not a good idea. But the love and logic approach is, you know, honey, you know, give that a shot. See how that works for you. Let me know how that works for you. I'm hoping for the best for you. And like I said, as long as it's not a safety issue, then I need to allow my child to make some decisions and learn from those decisions, whether good or bad. Right. Now, what about the topic of, like you mentioned, role models? I mean, going back to, you know, your childhood, you mentioned the pivotal roles of your basketball coach and your dad being um, a figure that you look up to. But what about these kids who come from the backgrounds where their parents are, you know, addicted to drugs, um, alcohol, or maybe abusive? What what challenges? or recommendations, what about those kids who don't have the role models the, that they can look up to? Well, I think all kids have role models that are available to them. And I think sometimes um, we adults as role models sometimes may not recognize how strong of a role we actually have. And I'm thinking of, you know, the kids that you just described, um, the ones, they're going to school somewhere for the most part. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is a a teacher or a teacher's aide or a secretary or the receptionist or the custodian to notice something about a child with this kind of circumstance. And sometimes that kind of attention can turn a child around um, because they feel, you know, they feel by themselves. They feel alone. They don't know where to reach to. And when they are feeling that way, you're going to reach to somebody and sometimes who the folks they reach to are probably not the best um, individuals to be associated with. So I think we, we need to take our opportunities, those of us that work with children, you know, that, you know, take that extra second and catch that child being good and tell them that you notice something about them. Oh, I, you know, I noticed that you have a new shirt on today. Or hey, I noticed I saw you I saw you shoot that basketball today, and you were really good. And just little comments like that, and those little comments can go a long way for a child's self-esteem. Right. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sure. I mean, when you were in junior high and high school, you your basketball coach wasn't walking around with a shirt that said, you know, I'm a mentor. <laughs> you know, but you said you felt that. He gave you the sense of responsibility. He had so much confidence, you know, within you that you probably didn't even built up yet, but he Mm -hmm. had that for you. And then in your mind, he was your role model, and that transpired to a lifelong um, friendship. So I think it's it's a good point that you made that we as adults probably don't recognize the opportunity of how we can really be a role model to somebody yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with kids all the time, 
And um, and I, as a trainer here, I implore our staff, catch them being good. Spend time with them. You know, record, see something that's positive and, and mention it to them. And sometimes staff get to a point where, gosh, this child, oh, my gosh, they just wear me out. I am i don't know what to do. And so then I challenged them. I said, find find three things that that are likable about that child and let them know that. So that what that does is it, it it takes the adult to do some extra extra scrutiny there and take a closer look because behind some of the some of the children's um what do you anger or sadness you know there's a child behind there looking for someone to you know help them looking for someone to listen to them looking for someone to take a walk with um I totally totally hundred percent agree with that, John. It's like all you see is the mischief, but behind the mischief, what's going on behind that child, there's something there. They're craving for just love or attention or understanding. Exactly. Because behind every mischievous deed, there's a legitimate need that that child's trying to meet. You know, it, it might be food. It might be safety and security. And like you said, belonging or love, you know, those are all needs that all of us have as humans and we're going to try to get those needs met somehow and if we're not getting them met one way then we're going to resort to other ways and yeah, so right. yeah Perfect people need to look past that you know that drama or that action or that you know aggression or what have you and get to the you know look all you know try to look away from or not to look away but try to not focus on that and focus on what is it that that child needs and how can you best help them? Perception, you know, shift your vantage point or your perception. Mhm. Yeah. And that's gonna be hard sometimes when they're not being too nice to you. But right. <laughs> but you right. know you just can't take you just can't allow it to be personal because if you do, then you're gonna be like the other adults in their lives, and they'll say, "See, I told you, those those adults are just like those other adults. You know, you just can't trust them. They, you know, they're phonies." You know, that type of thing. And it just continues on. It continues on a habit. Like, I mean, like you said, with, you know, child abuse being a cycle, I mean, how do you try to end that cycle or break that cycle? Well, it what's the? It takes a village. I'm sure you've heard that. And actually, one of our programs here at the Children's Home is called The Village, and that's exactly what they're trying to do in certain neighborhoods here in Sacramento that have are gang-infested or you know, lots of drug usage and all that kind of stuff. And these are actually children's home staff that are going into these neighborhoods. And within all these neighborhoods, 98% of the people are wonderful and have great intentions and want things to be good, but they're intimidated and scared of that 2%. So these, our counselors are going in and, you know, giving these folks an opportunity to have a platform to organize and to be supportive of each other. Um, but as time has, time has gone on, there's been more and more emphasis of being proactive in the community through a variety of different programs. The challenges for those programs are, as nonprofit for the most part, they desperately need funding, they desperately need volunteers, they des- desperately need resources. And, you know, the thing about it is, you know, people that work with um, people, you're not, you know, you're not make, you're not getting rich by any means, and there's no profit margin in there or anything like that. 
But what you are doing is you're giving folks an opportunity that to be successful who may have not had that opportunity in the past. And I think a lot of the preventative programs are doing a really, really good job of of working with families and children who might be in jeopardy of, you know, going on the wrong side of the law or being taken out of the home. Um, and so this is a, a great start, but God, there's, I mean, this has been going on forever, for centuries. And so, and, you know, child abuse has just become into the, the mainstream media since, what, maybe the early 90s? Um, oh, yeah. When I first started in this business, outside of the children's home, nobody talked about child abuse. But now it's you know, there's a huge focus on it, which is great. Right. Well, I, I like how you mentioned, you know, it really does take a village and community involvement, um, bringing awareness and having that platform of support. But in, in order to do that, you need the resources, and those are some of the challenges as far as funding, um, training volunteers, equipping them with the right knowledge and tools to pass it on to generations. Yep, and like I said, I've, I've been at this a long time, and um, I've seen I've seen improvement though. I've seen I've seen things, you know, um, children getting reunited with families, and children getting into foster care, and getting out of group care, and being in a, in a typical home. So you know, things things are are going in the right way. I would say right direction. Okay. Yeah, the right direction. But it's a it's a time consuming process that's going to go on for a while. I think, unfortunately. Well, John, in in closing today, again, I appreciate your time on Journey to Success. If you could leave our listeners with any last-minute tips as, you know, what we spoke on today, whether it's being a parent in a dual household or a single parent, some of the challenges you've seen in in your path, and share your your website as well and what you do um, outside of the children's home. Okay. I have my website is www.johnglass.com. So it's J-O-H-N-G-L-A-S-S-T-A-N-D-C.com, which is basically John Glass Training and Consulting. And basically what I've done is I've taken all this experience I've had at the children's home and the certifications and, um, and the different things I instruct, and I've actually gone out and seen that there's... Um, Many folks in the community who need the who would like who like having the love and logic parenting approach, who need help with their children when it comes to dealing with their challenging aggressive behaviors, um, kids that need social skills help. I've I've done that. Um, great, great. Well, we'll make sure to have your website listed. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to mention one th- the one thing you said about a, a tip here. Love your children coming and going, meaning like before you, you when you drop them off at school, before they go to school, give them some physical, you know, attention, like a nice hug, and tell them that you love them and that you can't wait to see them after school. When they come home from school, you do the same thing. Right. Right. So love them coming and going, and I think that's very, very important for all kids. Right. I mean, it, it goes back to what we talked about of you know being in the grind of the day, of being busy. That's 
like, okay, bye for now. We'll see you later. <laughs> you just drop your kids off at school. <laughs> so make it, a, make it a special event each and every time. Right. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and you got you know you can't go wrong with that. It's all good. Great. All right, Journey to Success listeners, that's our show today with John Glass, and I'll leave you with what footprints do we want to leave behind for our kids to follow? Get your copy of today of You Are Not Alone on Amazon.com to get more of the parenting tips that we discuss. Until next time, I'm April J. Ford. Remember to share and spread your joys and blessings. Bye for now.